episode 94 of the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. I guess Republicans and a few Democrats found out about deficits again. They dusted off some Reagan-era playbook. Uh Uh-uh. Let's start the show. We are now the defenders of the stronghold of democracy and of equal opportunity. You and I as citizens have the obligation to shape the debates of our time, not only with the votes we cast, but with the voices we lift. The people are looking for honest answers, not easy answers. The very word secrecy is repugnant. Clear leadership. And we are as a people. Not false claims and evasiveness and politics as usual. Opposed to secret society. But ours was a nation of the votes, Not the bullet. And a secret procedure. As a people, we cannot afford to let any group of citizens or any individual citizens live or labor under conditions which are injurious to the commonwealth. Black, white, Latino, Asian, Native American, young, old, gay, straight, men, women, folks with disabilities, all pledging allegiance under the same proud flag to this big, bold country that we love. That's what I see. That's the the America I know. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. There is nothing wrong with America that cannot be cured by what is right with America. I, I'm not letting it happen. I, I I refuse to go down that road. I don't want to hear another Republican telling me that our children and our children's children will pay for it. We are paying for the mistakes our parents made, America, right now. I You know, I'm a Gen Xer. I know there's a lot of millennials that listen to this show, a lot of Gen Xers. I'm sorry, the baby boom left us with all this debt, which doesn't even really matter at the end of the day. I, I, I got to get Stephanie Kelton back here, who uh, authored the great book, The Deficit Myth. Uh, I think it's called Modern Monetary Theory. And she talks about the real concern should be inflation. And, and inflation in this country has been basically at zero for a very long time. Our interest rates are low and there are ways now... We now know better how to control inflation and our debt, quite frankly, as a percentage of our GDP is not that bad. We are not actually, we don't actually as the United States of America have to run our country like you run your household. So enough with that nonsense. I'm, I'm seeing, you know, 10 GOP senators going to see Biden to talk about, well, maybe we could do a $600 billion package. No, we got to do what is necessary now. And if these Republicans don't want to meet us somewhere better, then we are not going to... Their package doesn't have aid to state and local governments that are dying right now, that can't run deficits, that are going to lead to higher unemployment around this country. So I say, if they don't meet us at a better place, and I'm not, well, I'm not saying we got to get everything we want, but compromise is about meeting us at a better place. They gave Joe Biden a third of what they what he asked for in his proposal. So I for one say no to that. We could we can make this happen through reconciliation without a single Republican vote. Now, of course, Joe Manchin is finding religion on deficit spending too. Of course, the governor of his state, Republican governor of his state doesn't necessarily agree with him. He said, "You know what? We might as well spend it now. We might not have any country left." That's what I believe. We got to spend it now. Don't worry about tomorrow. We are in the middle of an existential once in a hundred year crisis in this country. 
that needs a big, bold solution, not like a piecemeal, well, we got to worry about the debt. We weren't worried about the debt the last four years, Republicans. We weren't worried about the debt the last four years, Joe Manchin, you know, getting all bent out of shape that Kamala Harris went on the news in West Virginia. Give me a break. I'm sorry. I'm fired up. I want to see progress. I think you do as well. And we have a historic opportunity right now. And I think the Democrats should take it. We have a historic opportunity to make real change in this country. And I think it starts with passing a very large, very large, very robust COVID relief package, $2 trillion. That's the number I want to see. Look, I mean, Republicans come to me with something in the $1.7 trillion range that maybe takes out some fat. I'm all for it. Let's talk. I'm all ears. But don't come to me and tell me, well, I'm worried about the debt. I'm worried about my grandchildren having to pay. Give me a break. I don't think Roosevelt was worried about our grandchildren paying off the debt when we were in the middle of World War II and the Great Depression. And we shouldn't be worried about it right now. This is the Great Depression and World War II rolled into one. It is an existential crisis which does, which which requires an all-hands-on-deck, throw-everything-you-can-at-it approach. Do you know how many people are losing their jobs every single day? I talked to a friend of mine today who had an excellent job last week. Couldn't hold on to it this week. Company said, look, we don't have the work. We can't afford you. And, and I'm, while I am confident that that friend will land on his feet because he's a very talented human being, but it's, it's happening to everybody. It's not just restaurant workers that are losing their jobs. It's not just movie theater owners that are going out of business. There is a major struggle in this country in just about every single industry. So for them to worry about the, 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 your grandkids paying it, uh, what about right now? What about the one in seven Americans that say they don't have enough food on their table? What about them? What are we talking about here? Why is this even an issue? If you are, if you believe that we could solve this problem, we've got to treat this like a war and we should spare no expense. I'm tired of this nonsense. I know you're tired of this nonsense too. I'm tired of hearing it. I don't want to hear it at all from any Democrats. I don't want to hear it from Joe Manchin. I really don't. And I sure as hell don't want to hear it from John Kasich on CNN. I'm done with that. I'm only, you know, look, I don't hate John Kasich. I know he has a different view than I do. I'd like to have that conversation with John Kasich. And you know what I like about John Kasich? I know I can have that conversation with John Kasich. At least he's willing to talk and work things out. But it is a dumb talking point from the Reagan era that is not relevant. It never has been. It's not even real. It's something somebody made up. I got to get Stephanie Kelton back here. I, I, I. I'm going to have her back on. I'm going to try to figure it out. Uh, I got to call her because quite frankly, she's fantastic on this. I, uh, I, I encourage you all to read her book. I've read parts of it. I haven't read the whole thing, um, I, but I've read a lot of the stuff she's done over the years. Uh, she's a neighbor of mine. So our kids are friends. So there's, we have a connection and, and I've read all of her stuff in the financial times and, and, and uh, she's, she's written an all sorts of places, and I've read most of this book. But it is, to me, it's right. I mean, I don't know if she's 100% right, 
But I like her theory better than the, well, well, what about our kids paying it back? And I am just worried about the next generation. I'm doing my, 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 uh, my belly. <laughs> well, well, Uncle Leo. Uh, <laughs> well, Mr. Potter. I mean, that's who they are, right? They're Mr. Potter. Mr. Potter wants you, you know, to, he, he wants you to have a thrifty working class instead of a nice middle class. No. I want middle class. I want people to have opportunity to grow and to to grow out of their class in this country. I want people not to be afraid that this country's not doing everything it can to get them back on the feet. And I know that we've spent a lot of money the last year fighting COVID-19. I know it's trillions of dollars, but we're not done yet. I don't know if you feel saved from it. I don't know if you feel the country's going in the right direction and is ready to bounce back. Man, if you work for a county or a city or a town or a state and you're looking at your budget cycle right now because they're now starting to work on their budgets for 2022, you got to be freaking out right now. You got to be freaking out because there would have to be massive cuts unless the federal government steps in and, and provides the, re- the the income that uh, states and local governments need. And I, I don't know how anybody can't see that. Clearly, the governor of West Virginia, you know, who I've often found kooky, I think he was a Democrat who became a Republican. And, I, and this is a state that Trump won, uh, I think, by the biggest margin of any state in the country. It's got a Democratic senator, Joe Manchin, who won in 2018. So he's not up for until tw- 2024. Joe, give me a break, baby. We love you most of the time. But... And I'm all for saying, you know what, if you're if you're making a living during this uh, pandemic, you shouldn't get relief. I'm all for that. I, I agree with that. I'm all for that. Put that in there. But we've got to put the resources out there for state and local governments. That's a non-starter. We got to put the resources out there for businesses that are struggling. Non-starter. I, you know, I'll modify the check payment. I, I've, I know some people who got checks who shouldn't have gotten checks. That's fine. I agree with that. But let's stop pretending that there's some deficit that's going to come eat us and that our kill- children are going to be slaves to this deficit. We print our own money in this country. Who we? You think that the Chinese are giving us this money? That is just the dumbest thing. It's not happening. We print our own money. There is no better investment in the world, no safer investment in the world than U.S. Treasury bonds. So give me a break. It's nonsense. And I'm not, I'm not, I am going to call it out every time I see it. I am just tired of it. It is a myth. It doesn't exist. And, and it, it doesn't exist at least to the extent that these people pretend it does. It is not that problem. And it, quite, quite frankly, it's not a problem we have to worry about right now. Right now, what we have to worry about is getting this country back on track. So that should be our priority. All right. I'm sorry I'm a little, a little off to a, a rapid, a rabid start today. Uh, but uh, it just fires me up. Lots going on in the world, America, the, uh, uh, you know, it, it, but I'll tell you, I don't know about you. I, I have been sleeping like a baby. I feel great. Uh, no more Trump. Uh, Biden's off to a good start. He's got a good cabinet. Uh, I'm watching these press briefings. They're asking questions. She's responding. It's almost like we have a real government again. And every single day that he's behind us, I feel a little bit better. And I know that next week we're going to start with this impeachment hearings, uh, excuse me, the impeachment trial. 
and that'll bring him back into the news. He lost his lawyers over the weekend. They left him because he wanted his defense to be about how he won the election. So, okay, I have a feeling that's what he's going to do. And now only 10 Republicans, sorry, five Republicans joined all 50 Democrats in voting against Rand Paul's ridiculous resolution saying it was unconstitutional to have these uh, impeachment hearings. We'll see if any more Republicans join the Democrats when it comes to a vote on actual conviction and then disqualification uh, of uh, Donald Trump in the future. I think they should. Uh, you know, but of course, Kevin McCarthy going down to Mar-a-Lago last week is pretty much all you need to know about the future of the Republican Party, right? It's pretty much all you need to know about the future of the Republican Party. This guy is down there kissing the ring. Meanwhile, Matt Gates is in Wisconsin, in, in Wyoming, you know, railing against Liz Cheney. I mean... Marjorie Taylor Greene running rampant. We don't hear any, you know, she's got a good committee. She's, uh, this party is dead. So I I saw these 10 Republicans go to the White House on Monday night. They should just leave that party. If they really believe in governing and actually having a realistic conversation about how to make America better, why are they in the Republican Party then? Because the Republican Party is the party of Donald Trump and Marjorie Taylor Greene. And let me tell you something. Hang Marjorie Taylor Greene around the neck of every single Republican. Every single time. Make them answer for everything she says. I have been doing that for the squad and AOC for the past two years. And quite frankly, they live in reality. Their ideas just happen to be left of center. They're trying to start the conversation left of center. So when you compromise, you meet in the middle. Republicans want the conversation to start in the middle so that when you're compromising, you're compromising to the right. And the Democrats have been doing that for far too long, and it's time that ends. So yeah, I've been spending the last two years in my conversations in conservative media talking about AOC. And you know what? Every time they mention AOC to me right now, I'm going to hang Marjorie Taylor Greene's word around a Republican's neck every single time till she's gone. And I'll tell you what, they wish they had AOC versus Marjorie Taylor Greene. AOC just has ideas. She is young and, and, you know, uh, her, her, her life force has not been stomped out of her yet by Washington. She still believes she could get things done. So she's proposing big, bold ideas, some of which, most of which. I mean, she's starting the conversation on the left. That's a good place to start. Then we finish in the center. I I don't know how many times I could say this. I mean, I've said it a million times. Marjorie Taylor Greene starts the conversation in Crazy Town and finishes in Looneyville. There's not a lot of there there. It's going to be very difficult for the Republicans the the next two years, if they don't get rid of this woman, to defend her. Because she's going to say crazy things. We're going to find more crazy things. Now, I think that part of it is there's not a lot of news going on. So, the, you know, the news media is looking for things to talk about. And this woman gives them plenty to talk about. Trust me. Going to be interesting. Okay, I have a great guest coming up. Anthony Scaramucci. The Mooch. Back by popular demand. So, uh, you don't want to miss that. And I also, I got to thank you again for following me on Twitter. At Christopher Hahn. 
So uh, listen to the Mooch, and then I'll be back to wrap it up. Buckle up, folks. The Car Pro Show podcast is here to rescue you from the doldrums of everyday life. And you can find it on iHeart, Apple, Spotify, or wherever your podcast cravings take you. What do we have here, Doctor? Looks like yet another case of the Car Pro Show podcast giddies. Do you concur? I concur. And it's spreading like wildfire. I know, but the podcast is so powerful. Jerry and Kevin dish out all the juicy car news from the Car Pro Friends universe. They review and chat about the latest car lineups from all the big players in the industry. And they take live calls to help steer car buyers in the right direction. It's highly addictive and impossible to shake. Do we alert the press? Are you crazy? If more people discover the Car Pro Show podcast and its cornucopia of car curriculum, this thing will spiral out of control. Listen to the Car Pro Show on iHeart, Apple, Spotify, or wherever your podcast desires take you. Brought to you by CarPro.com, where you now have a friend in the car buying business. CarPro.com <laughs> The Car Pro Show podcast is available on iHeart, Apple, and Spotify. I can't take my husband anywhere. He's constantly behaving like a five-year-old, snorting, joking, yapping with strangers. It's so embarrassing. But the one period when he's fully engrossed in anything is if he's listening to the Car Pro Show podcast. Here they are now on the Car Pro Show. He gets to hear Jerry and Kevin share all the latest and greatest news and information about the CarPro Friends universe, reviews and commentary on all the newer vehicle lineups from every major brand, stories and testimonials about ultimate car buying experiences through CarPro.com, and certified CarPro Friends at dealers nationwide. My only regret is when this two-hour break from you-know-who ends. Save yourself! Grab some me time by tuning into the CarPro Show podcast on your device anytime, anywhere. Listen to the CarPro Show on iHeart, Apple, and Spotify. Or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by CarPro.com, where you now have a friend in the car buying business. CarPro.com. I'm Chris Hahn, the Aggressive Progressive. Check out a new episode of the Aggressive Progressive podcast every Tuesday. You know, the election is heating up just as the year is winding down. Stick with me. I'll tell you the truth as I see it. Download the Aggressive Progressive on Pandora or wherever you get your podcasts. Anthony Scaramucci was the White House communications director for a term we like to call a Scaramucci. That was what, 11 days, Anthony? Uh, 11 days. You could also say 954,000 seconds. Sometimes I say it that way, Chris, to my therapist, and it makes me feel better. Makes if, it sound longer. If they ever do a rent spoof of the Trump White House, they're like, 945 hours, 15 <laughs> seconds. How do you measure a Scaramucci? Well, you actually know how to sing, hon. That's actually impressive. Hey, man, you know, I, you know the reason why, you know, look. I get a lot of bookings. You know, I got my first booking on television because I was a former aide to Chuck Schumer. I've gotten my 2500 booking on national television because I'm an actor. So it's, yeah. well, there you go. And, you, and you're very good at improv, too, on top of everything else. It's my thing, man. It's my bag. So uh, I, look, you know, you're backed by popular demand. You are, you know, my guests love hearing us talk politics because. You know, I'm a little left of center, you're a little right of center, but we're two kids from Long Island who kind of have similar backgrounds, who've done well, uh, and we enjoy it. So, uh, you know, let me just throw it out there for you, Anthony. You know, eight days into Biden, what's your what's your take? 
Well, I'm very happy. You know, I, I think that uh, eight days into Biden, he is uh, he's doing a great job. I, he is doing exactly what I predicted he would do, which is sometimes often hard to predict what a politician would do. He's a centrist. And so he built a centrist oriented cabinet. He's obviously uh, open-minded to the ideas of climate change and wants to make sure he takes the country in that direction. I think that's centrism. Some people think that's uh, leftist thought, but I don't. I can, I can explain to you why if you're right. interested. No, I, and, I do. I, I, definitely want to, I definitely want to hear your reason why, because that is a big issue. I, I mean, I was on Fox News this afternoon talking about climate change. Um, you know, I, I quite frankly think he has taken a centrist position. And, and the only thing that the Republicans seem to be pushing back on is the fact that John Kerry has a private jet. Like, give me a break. We, I said we played this game uh, in 2004 when he ran for president. We also played that game in 2001 when Al Gore came out with his, uh, uh, his, uh, his movie on the subject. Well, listen, I mean, you, you know, we're, we're in the 21st century. And so if we want to do that microaggression thing to each other and call hypocrisy to each other, we can do that. Or we can do what GM is doing, which is saying that they're only going to produce electric cars by 2035. Yep. Uh, you, you have a huge dilemma in the society. And we're going to be known, they want to take down statues of people that are uh, from 300 years ago. What about the people from 300 years in the future looking at us? They're going to see us as filthy pigs. They're going to be like, why did these guys burn up and coke up the atmosphere, yep. uh, you know, and leave it the way they left it for us? It's like we're having a frat party with the environment, and then we want our children, great-grandchildren, and et cetera, to live in the Sunday morning frat with the bong water on the floor, the smell of beer and alcohol in the place. You know, And I, I think it's disgusting. And so, so, you know, there's sound evidence that we are affecting the climate. Let's say that I can't convince you of that or one of your hardcore climate denier, fake news, you know, lunatics is listening to me. Well, what about just having clean air and clean water for your children? Right. What about the notion that 85% of the kids in Beijing have asthmatic issues below the age of seven? What about that? Yeah, it's crazy. So, so, so to me, you know, if you don't believe in the climate change, how about breathing cleaner air and drinking cleaner water so you don't have health-related issues associated with that. So so Joe Biden is going in that direction. Uh, obviously, Senator Kerry, Secretary of State Kerry is going to help him. Uh, on the economic side of the uh, uh, footprint, I'm a pragmatist. I like the combination of uh, Secretary Yellen with Chairman Powell. And I think that they've got a very good long-term plan. And the last piece and this is the most important piece, Chris, and I thank God every day that Joe Biden won because of this, yep. is the pandemic. Andy Slavitt is a uh, personal friend of mine. I've been on his podcast. That COVID-19 task force, the initialization of the Defense Production Act, the idea that they're going to use FEMA, uh, and you know, basically they could have used FEMA two, three, four months ago to roll out these vaccinations, and they could have used that whole supply chain diagram that they do for hurricanes and all this other stuff, and they could have been well ahead of where we are right now, which would lead to better economic growth and lead to better economic prosperity. So, you know, what I would say about the eight days, it's almost coming up on a Scaramucci, right? The yep. 31st <laughs> would be a Scaramucci. I would say in the eight days, eight elevenths of a Scaramucci, this thing reeks of competence. It reeks of centrism. And hopefully you can get a few things done with that crazy Senate of ours. Uh, and then you've got the contemporaneous trial of uh, 
Donald J. Trump that's going to happen alongside of his agenda. So hopefully we can get hopefully we can get some multitasking going on when that starts. One of the things I think America loves about you is you own the mistakes you made, even like owning the term a Scaramucci uh, of the length of time you were in that ridiculous White House. Uh, I think that's one of the things I love about you. It's, you know, I'm like you, brother. I grew up on Long Island. Okay. And so what do we do here? You know, we have no problem making the first joke should always be on me. I have no problem making fun of myself. Very comfortable in my own skin. I've made some mistakes. I tell my kids it's okay to get something wrong, but it's not okay to stay wrong. Right, uh, right. And if you if you got something wrong, get out early. Say, look, I got that wrong. Here's why I got it wrong. Look at all these people missile locked into these positions that they know are wrong. Uh, Kevin McCarthy, a yeah. Senator McConnell. These guys know better. I mean, Ted Cruz used to know better. Maybe his brain has been washed so thoroughly that he doesn't know better anymore. But he's he was a smart enough guy to know better. So is Josh Hawley. These guys sold their souls to Donald Trump for what reason? Uh, unbelievable. I, and we're going to get into that uh, in the next segment. I, I, I only have about three minutes left in this, and that's a longer conversation than three minutes. I want to stay with climate change for just like one more minute on it, because, you you know, you you have been this investment conservative your whole life. I mean, I, I still think you're kind of an investment conservative and you see the impact that going green could have financially to this country. And you see it as a positive. I do see it as a positive, a long-term positive, yes, because it will. It, it's a lot like moving from the horse to the horseless carriage. Yep. It's a lot like moving from pre-electrification to post-electrification. Jobs will change. Things will transfer. Um, but if you can go into carbon-free or carbon-reduced energy footprint, and you had electric cars uh, that were way more energy efficient, or you would be able to build... Uh, non-fossil fuel transportation, which is all possible now. It's all in the technological realm of our capabilities. We just need a push. We are at our best. You know this, and I know this. We're at our best when there's an intersection between the government and the private sector working together. Look what we did in 10 years in the 60s in terms of putting people on the moon. Look what we did in the 50s, the private-public partnership to build the interstate highway system, And so, you know, what we need is the intersection of great capitalism, free market-based capitalism, with a little bit of a lift from the government to get the game running and to get it scaled. And by the way, I'll say something that Dr. Fauci would agree with, okay? You have to give the Trump administration credit for the way they deployed capital into these vaccines and took the risk off the table of the vaccine manufacturers and the development and the R&D, because that forcing of capital, that flooding of capital, expedited the technologies and expedited the completion of those vaccines and their trials. Okay, so I'm not one of these people just going to rail on Trump all the time, 24-7. Right. That was a good idea, and that, that idea weirdly is sort of a 1960s idea that John Kennedy would have come up with or Lyndon Johnson would have come up with. And my point is, let's get off of the left and right sort of nonsense and focus on what's right or wrong. And and if you tell me we have a government commitment alongside a private enterprise to move to non-carbon-based energy or a reduction in carbon emissions, I'm telling you that's going to be better for the planet It'll be better for an ecosystem. It'll be better for the survivability of our species and, and, I, and I other species. I fully agree with you on that. Now, 
Let's talk for a second about the future of the Republican Party. Kevin McCarthy, the GOP House Minority Leader, uh, went to Mar-a-Lago on Thursday to kiss the ring of Donald Trump. Um, that doesn't bode well for the future of the GOP, in my opinion. Uh, what's your, you know? Give me your thoughts. I mean, you were once there. What do you think? Yeah, obviously it doesn't bode well. They keep feeding the crocodile, and the crocodile is going to end up eating them. I mean, he's he's thinking that Donald Trump is going to help him raise money. He wants desperately to be the Speaker of House, Speaker of the House. He's looking at January of 2023, and he wants Donald Trump to help him raise money for those congressional districts to flip the House back. Now, the consensus is that the Republicans will win the House because that typically happens in a first-term, mid-term congressional election where yep. it goes to the party away from the uh, the executive branch. Now, it didn't happen during the Bush administration. That was blamed on the Iraq war, yep. obviously the George W. Bush administration. Uh, but I got to tell you something. It may or may not happen. I'm, I want to be a contrarian on that. I think the Republicans are so screwed up and they've got such factionalism going yeah. on in the Republican Party that if they splinter that party and a new center-right party forms, uh, you may not get that desired outcome. So what Kevin's doing, and I know Kevin a long period of time, he's practicing the politics of personal pra- power preservation yeah. and the politics of short-term expedient decision-making. And I'm going to tell you something that Kevin once said to me, and he is not practicing this, about 10 years ago, Kevin said to me, we need more thermostats in Washington, less thermometers. So, yeah, I mean, they they do look at it as if they are taking a temperature now and then moving to the heat. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They're they're basically weather vanes, and he's practicing the politics of personal power preservation, yeah. the expediency of the moment with no long-term thinking. As an example, a leader of that caucus... He knows that Donald Trump is destructive. He knows Donald Trump is hurting them. Yet he's fearing the Donald Trump base. If he were a thermostat, he would be guiding that base away from mm. the anger. He'd be guiding that base away from the race-laced vitriol. Uh, but he's not doing that. He's sending guys like Matt Gates out to beat up on Liz Cheney. Yeah, I think he looks uh, weak. That, I think I well, think that's, Kevin that's McCarthy looks weak. Thing. You know that that's a violation of the Republican commandment, right? The eleventh commandment that Ronald Reagan decreed is, "Don't speak badly about a fellow Republican." Well, they they are long past Ronald Reagan Republicanism well, yeah, at this I, point. I understand that. <laughs> I'm just saying is that you, if you don't get that party back to some semblance of principles and some semblance of guidance, it's going to dematerialize. It will split into two parties, and then they will lose the House and the Senate and the presidency for a generation. Yeah. You know, and, and remember something, Herbert Hoover did that to the Republican Party. Like Donald Trump, he served one term. He lost the presidency, the House and the Senate uh, when FDR came to power in March of 1933. And it was it, it took 20 years. You, you, you got Eisenhower in 53 uh, and you had a 20 year reign for Democrats. You know, I think that this uh, this fissure in the Republican Party, while it's not a split in half, it doesn't have to be, right? I mean, you lose 20% of your support in a 50-50 environment, you're done. And I feel like you do. I do not think it's a foregone conclusion that the Democrats are going to lose the House. And I think they're going to pick up seats in the in the Senate no matter what. So it's a, it's uh, you know, I don't, I you know, this fissure, I don't understand why people like Mitt Romney... Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, even stay in the Republican Party at this point. I, I don't understand what's keeping them there. 
Well, I, I think they're making the, it's a slight chance, they're making the chance that the fever will break and there'll be some type of uh, improvement or some type of reform. You know, Craig Unger just uh, published a book this week called American Compromise, where he's got on the record KGB retired agents saying that uh, Donald Trump was was being handled by them in the in the low 80s and has been a force inside the KGB or the FRU uh, for the last 35 years. Again, they'll all deny that, of course, but uh, go read the book, Chris. It's it's in black and white what Trump is all about. And, yeah. You know, and you know when the windows open and you hear clippity clop, it's a horse. It's not a zebra. You can't pretend that this guy's not in the pocket of Vladimir Putin. But four years as the American president, uh, the guy's given ransom money to kill our troops. Trump says nothing. Yeah, I, I mean, the you know, events happening. Trump says nothing. I think that and that's he, true. And you know, but here's the thing: even if we get undisputable evidence of that fact that he has been somehow, you know, influenced by Putin and the Russians for the last forty years. There are people in this country who just won't believe it, and that's that's the scary part of where we're at as a country right now. Yeah, but again, that has to do with their economic desperation, their uh, political isolation, the anger that he ginned up. You know, it's interesting. He's eight days out of the presidency, and I don't know, you tell me, he's at 12 or 15 days off of Twitter, Yeah, and there is a surreal calmness. Isn't to it? Doesn't on. it feel good? Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. I think everyone's calmed down. Their brains, blood pressures are down, migraines are down, anxiety is down. <laughs> it is. Uh, we, we, we've got 4,000 people that died yesterday. We broke the record yeah. yesterday, which is a terrible tragedy, but by and large, we're moving in the right direction, and so... So to me, hopefully people say, well, wait a minute, why was I that angry? Why did I need to be a part of that? Let me focus on my family. Let me focus on getting a great job coming out of this pandemic. You know, and, and, and if that happens, all of that vitriol will wash away, Chris. And that's the mistake McCarthy's making and some of these other guys. Yeah. They're, they're locked into the Gordian knot with Trump where they should be breaking and eviscerating that knot, and they should be decrying him and putting him out the pasture. I think it's a nail in his coffin, quite frankly, because I don't think Trump's going to forgive Kevin McCarthy for going after him on the House floor the day after the riot. And you got people like Matt Gates going to Wyoming after McCarthy said, don't go, don't do that. And it was leaked that an internal call with the GOP caucus stop attacking themselves. I think this is a play by Matt Gates and some others to remove all of the GOP leadership and install them with the more radical. I mean, I think Steve Scalise is radical. I know, you know, we are we're all supposed to say, say nice things about him, but this is a guy who, when he first ran for office, said he's David Duke without the baggage. So I, I have no no use for him as a politician. I'm glad he's alive because I don't think somebody should get gunned down. But uh, but you know, I think there's a decapitation coming in the Republican leadership in the House, and you're going to see the Jim Jordans, the Matt Gates of the world, kind of rise and take that role. Is, it, you think Jim Jordan and Matt Gates are competent enough? I, mean, no, I guess I, I don't. You got, you got, I, I guess you got a bunch of dummies. So you got 140 you, people who 140 members that voted after the riot to not accept the election results. There are there they, the Republican caucus in the House of Representatives is they might as well be called the QAnon caucus at this point. Well, and also listen, I mean they're they're going to lose their support. One of the reasons why McCarthy was on the the floor decrying Trump is that, you know, he's been told by these big corporations, no mosque, yeah. give you any more money. And so 
So he's stuck between a rock and a hard place. He should choose sides. And the side he should be on is the side of righteousness and the side of normalcy, not the side of this uh, nasty, uh, deformed uh, nationalism, Trumpism, America first. You know, you can study America first back into the 30s when it was sponsored by Charles Lindbergh. Uh, It's never been the best of America. It's bad. is is at its best when it's pluralistic. America is at its best when we recognize our mutuality of opportunity and the equality that we're supposed to feel for each other and with each other. Amen to that. Amen to that. All right. So, Mooch, what is this thing about GameStop? Can you explain this to me? I've been been, been reading about it all day, and I still don't understand what, what happened here. So not to overcomplicate it for your listeners, but if you don't like the fundamentals of something, and GameStop, unfortunately, has been hammered by the pandemic, and it's been hammered by the downloading of game, what used to be game cartridges or game discs. And so you buy the console, you can download it over the internet. Why do you need to go to GameStop? And so they've actually had a very good management team. They've done some creative things to stay in business. (coughs) Excuse me, but people are shorting their stock. They're betting that they're going to go out of business. What's happened is there's these bee swarms of micro-investors that are upset with these hedge fund managers, like who the hell is that hedge fund manager to short that stock and try to put that company out of business? And so on Reddit, these bulletin boards, there's a group called Wall Street Bets, and the chairman of that group said, let's all go out and buy GameStop and then create a short squeeze. So what happens is I'm short the stock, stock's going up. Well, guess what? I have to meet more margin call for my short position. Now the stock goes from 40 to 100. I get a margin call. Stock goes from all the way up to 500. This morning, it was trading at 500. So it blew to pieces a very prominent hedge fund called Melvin Capital. Right. Uh, Steve Cohen, the new owner of the Mets, personal friend of mine, and I want to fully disclose, I've got several hundred million dollars in his fund. Uh, This morning, he was down 12.5% for the month of January. Wow because of the short squeeze in GameStop. So this is almost like a populist revolt, not in a political realm, but in the investment realm. All right, so break it down for me. He's teaming up against the big guy and trying to hurt the big guy. Break it down. Most people don't even know what what it means. How do you you make money by shorting a stock? How does that happen? So very simply, I have a $100 stock. I don't like the fundamentals. I call somebody that owns that stock and say, hey, let me borrow it from your account. I then sell it into the marketplace. So now I have a debit. If that stock trades to 50, I've just made 50 points. And then I cover the short down at that position and I give the stock back to somebody. Uh, There have been cases like with Enron 20 years ago, people were short that stock. That stock was a fraud and it traded to zero. So if you shorted it at 100, you made $100. Wow. I mean, if you do millions of shares of it, the uh, flip side is, if you go long a stock, you're betting on the stock's upside. So what these bee swarms, these micro-investors were doing to those hedge fund managers is each of them were buying 100 shares, and the 100 shares turned into a million, and a million shares turned into two million, and they started pushing the price of that stock up to ridiculous levels beyond its fundamentals. And then something uh, uh, catastrophic happened, in my opinion, uh, groups like Robinhood that are retail trading shops, TD Ameritrade, uh, et cetera, they banned the purchase of GameStop. So you got Alexander Ocasio-Cortez, Ted Cruz, 
and Senator Elizabeth Warren all teamed up saying, how is that possible? Yeah. Uh, you know, you're, you, you set the rules of the game. The big boy is not winning the game. And now you're basically taking the football home from the play yard and you're, you're hurting the individual investor. And you're hurting yeah. the company that stock is being helped here. I mean, obviously GameStop. Because the, the, the stock is being manipulated and it's very hard for the management team to run the company when the stock is moving like that. So there's a lot going on at the same time. Uh, but I think what it, what it is proving to people, Chris, is the decentralization of everything, the decentralization of our politics, the decentralization of our money management. I have the power from my phone now to trade like the Goldman Sachs prop trader of 1995. Yeah, I have costless transactions and instant information. Uh, that's something 25 years ago that very few people had, but now everybody has it in the power of their palm. It's crazy. I mean, you used to have to go on a train and dress up like a gorilla to try to get the frozen concentrated orange juice futures. <laughs> now you just got to dial it in, right? I mean, well, yeah. Now, now it's like a uh, it's like a computer. Like that's like a video game. <laughs> you know, look, I mean, the the, the good news is that uh, this will correct itself over time, and I think it's a message to your listeners: be a long term investor. Yeah. Don't be a micro trader. Don't bet the trend. You know. Just buy and hold things that are of very high quality. Right. Put them away for yourself and your family. Right. That's the best way. Of that, that's all I do. I have mutual funds and I have a couple of very solid stocks that I'm invested in. And that's it. Because I know, first of all, I'm no Scaramucci. Okay. I've got, I do okay. I'm not going to say I'm poor or anything. I, you know, I, I moved from Center Reach to Setauket, which is the dream of every kid from Center Reach. But, uh, you know, it's. Well, you know. But, you, but, you, but you dedicated your life of service and politics, you know what I mean? And now you're making some good money. I mean, look, I, I'm a greedy North Shore kid from Long Island. Right? <laughs> my father was a crane operator. I said, oh my God, I got $150,000 of school debt. All I did was focus on money. Right. But for that 11 day fiasco. You know what I mean? So yep. Just, just a matter of. I'm still paying my debt, my school debt. People are like, what? I'm like, yeah, well, when you work in the Senate, you know, they'll pay back your student loan, but you've got to, you got to roll it into a 30 year loan. So I, I've still got nine more years on my right, student well, well, I, I hear you, but here's the message, though. Wealth is not just measured by money or bank account. No, of course not. It's, wet, it's measured by that holistic thing that you're doing with your life, and you obviously love what you do, and so that's a that, that's worth a ton of money to somebody. Well, that's the key, right? I don't feel like I work at all. <laughs> so it's like I don't feel like I've worked a day of my life. That's, that's the goal. If you can get your kids to feel about that way about their lives, uh, then you've you, you've helped them accomplish something really great. Well, that is the goal for themselves, and they got to have every day where they're not working. They're doing something productive that they enjoy, and that's the goal for the kids, which is why they won't have the student debt I have. But well, it's tell them to stay out of politics, okay? Huh? I, I think it's going to be hard to keep my kids out of politics. Both of my daughters are very political. Office? They're going to run. They're going to run for elected office. I, I don't know if they'll run for elective. They might. My wife is in elective office, but they 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 might run for office at some point in their lives. But uh, you know, my older right, daughters have them, have them come see Uncle Anthony. I'm <laughs> sure. Okay. I'll, uh... I'll, I'll, I'll we got we, we we could probably get together quicker if, if we both had a boat and we could just <laughs> boat out to each other. I'm in I'm on Oldfield Point. You're in you're in uh, Manhasset Bay. It's That's it's right. easy to get That's to. Right. It's easy to get to. This is good stuff. I, this is stuff I didn't even understand. All right, we've got major crises in this country. We've got a divided, uh, you know, not a divided government. We got a unified government basically. But obviously, the Senate is very closely divided. So is the House of Representatives. What do you think? 
we can expect the next six months politically in this country. Let's start with the stimulus package that Biden is pushing. It's close to $2 trillion. Um, you know, I, I feel it's going to have to get passed through reconciliation uh, in the Senate. Uh, what do you think is going to happen here? Well, because of that reconciliation, he probably won't get everything that he wants. Uh, I, I think that that's unfortunate because we need that stimulus. And, and, and Chris, you've heard me say this, but I'll share it with your listeners if we were at war and a sovereign army invaded the coastline of the United States, had a homeland invasion that affected all 50 states, wounded hundreds of thousands of people a day, uh, 400,000 Americans died from that army's invasion, what would be the political response right. from our nation's capital? Right. And so you have to put it in that war footing. And once you get there, uh, the $1.9 billion is probably not even enough. And I would, I would make the case that uh, the Biden administration should go very, very big here uh, because we have to cure the ills of the middle and the lower middle class. Uh, The deficit will take care of itself. We'll grow the economy uh, like we did after World War II to be able to survive the deficit spending. Uh, And I think it's absolutely necessary. Country's on a wartime footing, and we need to respond and act appropriately to that. So will he get it? He probably won't get it. These dummies went from spending $8 trillion in four years under Donald Trump to all of a sudden finding deficit hawk religion. It is the highest level of hypocrisy. I find it to be disgusting. Yeah, it's amazing. I, I Look, anytime they bring it up to me, I'm telling them, knock it off. This is ridiculous. We, You guys just were all about deficit spending the last four years. And now when we really need it, you're going to be like, no, deficits. Nope, we're not doing that this time. I, I Look. Uh, if I was Chuck Schumer and uh, if I was still working for Chuck Schumer, my first advice would be no more filibuster. And I get it. Manchin, you know, is, is saying he won't support eliminating the filibuster. But, you know, Mitch McConnell last week filibustering the organizational resolution for the Senate is reason enough to get rid of the filibuster, in my opinion. But, you know, I don't think that that's going to happen. And that means things like the 51st state, uh, others could be in jeopardy. But do you see any path forward for things like that? I don't see a path right now. No, I mean, unfortunately, you just it's too razor thin. But uh, if ever you needed D.C. to be a 51st state, it was on the 6th of January. Because yeah. if they had a governor, they would have deployed the National Guard and they would have repelled more quickly. And, you know, I find this stuff with the Republicans ridiculous because they're talking about Benghazi. You had four people die. Absolute unmitigated tragedy. I'm not making absolutely yeah. of those deaths. But you had five people die at the Capitol. They do, they were desecrating the chambers of the House and the Senate. And the Republican Party, for some reason, wants you to remember Benghazi, but to completely forget the 6th of January right. and the president's role in inciting it. So this is the sort of stuff when you explain it to the American people, their level of cynicism and head shaking goes up and their distrust in the political system and their politicians increases. So I find the whole thing to be terrible. No, but they, they're, they're not going to get that yet. Could they get that? They could get that. If the Republican Party splinters, the Democrats will rule the roost for at least a generation. Right. And they may be able to get that, that sort of stuff that you're discussing. And you got five Republicans who have already said enough with Donald Trump. They voted, uh, you know, there was a, a, a motion to find the impeachment unconstitutional, which failed 55-45, five Republicans mm-hmm. joining the 50 Democrats. Mm-hmm. Um, so you already have five. I don't know that you get to 17 on impeachment, um, but maybe some people take a walk. 
You know what I mean? They just don't vote. Well, I mean, that's, but that's, but that's typically what these guys do. That's why so much power got ceded to the executive branch, because nobody wanted to vote for these wars anymore after the fiasco of Vietnam. Right. So a lot of these guys will leave the chamber. That's, that's bad for Trump. Yeah. Yeah, it is for Trump because if they drop out and the numbers start that you get to two thirds without those those people abstaining, you know Trump gets convicted. And here's the thing, okay, more information is going to come out about what he was doing, where the money drops were, what the organization was like to foment that. Yep. I don't think that's going to be a good set of facts for Donald Trump yep. or his his acolytes and accomplices. So, so you got you got a lot of things going on, Chris, at the same time. And uh, yet, you got Kevin McCarthy in full sycophant mode, yep. knee, knee pads on his elbows, oh, yeah. down there barking like a dog. I find this thing to be revolting, you know, and, 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 and this is the political leadership that we have in the country now. No principles, no moral character, uh, moral cowardice at a time when we need uh, real people to stand up for the country and its constitution. Yeah, I, it's just sad to me. And I don't know how these senators are going to look like, you know, these Capitol Police officers in the eye who were beaten by the Trump mob uh, and say, no, you know, this is unconstitutional. We're going to pass on this because, it's you know, I think he should have he should get some penalty, but this is unconstitutional. That's what they're going to say. They've already showed us their cards. Uh, I, I don't understand how these men live with themselves. I really don't. Men and women, frankly. It's it's revolting, you know. It's revolting. Is there anybody you can see that hasn't yet come out and said, you know, on the right anyway, that you know this is something that uh, Trump should be convicted. We should move forward from Trump. Anybody you see potentially coming out, uh, somebody who's not retiring, but somebody who's going to stick around and really make a stand against this guy? Well, you know, I don't because look at what just happened. I mean, maybe. You know the Mitt Romneys of the world. I mean, you're 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 taught. You need a young Republican. You need somebody like Ben Sass who just says, "Hey, I'm taking this lane, and this is the patriotic lane." Yep. And, and he's already profile. done that. Ben Sass is already. Ben Sass yeah. was one of the five. You know, last no, week. I, I I agree with that. I'm saying he needs to be the the beacon. Yeah. If you will. Yeah, and if he if he is that beacon, then the world is going to change for the better. You know, I really do believe that the country on that part of the country, the right leaning part of the country, needs leadership, and it needs to end the Trumpist nonsense. And I think a guy like him could do it. That, you know, with the help would be, of somebody like Mitt Romney, that would be great. All right, look, I'm running out of time with you here. He's going to do it or not, Chris? So. I hope he. You're gonna have to invite me back with a guest uh, psychiatrist. I will. I will. And you're always welcome. You're one of my favorite guests. You're one of my <laughs> audience's favorite guests. Anthony Scaramucci. He's at Anthony Scaramucci on Twitter. You're the best, baby. Thanks. I'm Chris Hahn, the Aggressive Progressive. Check out a new episode of the Aggressive Progressive podcast every Tuesday. You know the election is heating up. Just as the year is winding down, stick with me. I'll tell you the truth as I see it. Download the Aggressive Progressive on Pandora or wherever you get your podcasts. Isn't he great? I, I love having that guy on. I, I, I do. I, I know he worked for Trump and some people go, oh, how do you let that guy on? Well, he repented. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
Sometimes you gotta just forgive and let people li let people live, right? Guy took a job, thought he could handle the job, didn't handle the job. Started to realize that the guy he worked for was a real slob. I think we've all been there, just not on the national stage like this guy was. So good on him for doing it, and good on him for uh, you know fighting against him lately. And that's been uh, it's been good, and and good on him to be on the radio. He's a great guest. I know he had a, like a run in on CNN. I still don't understand what it was about. I actually listened to a little bit of it. I was driving and I was listening to a little bit of it in my car, but I didn't catch the controversy part. So I guess I got to go back and look at that. But hey, good week to have him on. He was in the news a little bit. So uh, here he is, uh, our guest for you this week. So yeah, big week ahead. Um, not as big of the week that's coming up. I mean, we've got the Super Bowl on Sunday. And those of you who have been listening to the pod for the last two years know that I have a huge Super Bowl party. Of course, I won't be having that this year. Um, unbelievable that Tom Brady is in the Super Bowl again. Now, I, you know, love him or hate him. I'm a New Yorker. Uh, one of the greatest days of my life was being at the Super Bowl in Indianapolis when Eli Manning and the Giants beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Um, the guy is clearly great. <clears throat> now, he's up against a Chiefs team that can beat you in a million different ways. So I'm interested to see what happens. But, you know, all this talk about the genius of Bill Belichick, I think we should just throw that out the window at this point. I know some of you are like, Chris, stop talking about football. I never thought Bill Belichick was a genius. I think he had great players. You got Tom Brady. You got Gronkowski. You got a crazy defense. You're going to win. Uh, Tom Brady went to the worst franchise, one of the worst franchises. He didn't go to the Jets and win. <clears throat> Let's not get crazy. So I'm excited to watch this this Super Bowl. So we'll see what happens. I I think that we're all uh, we're all in need of this. We're enjoying this break, and obviously, you know, the day after the Super Bowl, well, then it's the impeachment. So that's kind of like a Super Bowl of sorts, but going to be interesting. I know he hired. Uh, Bill Cosby's defense attorney. I don't know. <laughs> it's a criminal defense attorney. Okay. Good luck with that, Mr. President, uh, former Mr. President. Um, I'm not going to care too much about it. I'm not going to call it a victory when only 60 senators vote to convict you and not the 67 that we need. I still have hope that maybe some people will just take a walk and not vote and he will be convicted. But who knows? He tries this crazy defense. He's going to have a real problem. So let's see what happens. All right. I want to remind you now, as I always do, to seek the truth. Question everything and everyone, even me. Seek the truth. I know you'll find it if you look for it. Uh, and I'll be back here again next week to tell you the truth as I see it. I'm Chris Hahn. Thanks for listening to the Aggressive Progressive Podcast.